involve, solve, evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch. Michael Elliott, Executive Director of Marketing, and Fred Bliss, CTO of All Things Data at Second Watch. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to Cloud Crunch. This is Michael Elliott, your host of Cloud Crunch. Joining me as always is my co-host, Fred Bliss, CTO of All Things Data here at Second Watch. Welcome, Fred. Hey, good to be here. Always. And we have a special guest today. Joining us is Paul Corning, Private Equity Practice Director here at Second Watch. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be on. Absolutely, Paul. So for the audience, can you give us kind of a quick synopsis of your background? Sure. been in the technology consulting space for almost 40 years now and very exclusively focused in data and analytics in the last 10 years. I led a large uh, data analytics consulting firm called Aptitive that's now a second watch company. All right. In today's episode, we're going to cover cloud analytics for the private equity industry. Now, private equity has probably been on the forefront of using data to create competitive advantage since probably since their inception, because I think that's a part of it. Now, they're always on the lookout, I would imagine, for new investment opportunities, and most have a system in place to help make those decisions. But, Paul, I'd like to kind of kind of explore a little bit around, you know, how does a private equity firm really go about understanding those investment decisions and what are they looking for? Well, they're obviously looking for a return, but really there's two primary work streams that private equity firms go to as they're looking at their investment. And one is just kind of deal sourcing. You got to understand industries and markets and company lists and something that you can about the financials. You just understand which might even be potentially viable. And then there's the actual due diligence process, Michael, where you're trying to drill into what is the real potential of this acquisition and what kind of returns could we generate. Now, I imagine there's also another side to that as well of the investments they've already made and understanding how those companies are doing. Is that a part of, you know, how you pull data and analytics or just the data of those companies? It is. I mean, in the private equity industry, it's a huge data consumer. It also consumes a lot of human resources trying to analyze that data. Your traditional private equity firm managing a bunch of portfolio companies is just still relying on Excel to pull that data in. And it's hugely data intensive, tons of numbers they want to see on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Your monthly reporting package is really burdensome. And so there's a lot of upside opportunities from better analytics in the industry. Well, let's let's talk about those upsides and where cloud comes into play with that. Well, cloud, you know, the one thing that cloud enables, it, a couple things, it allows these small portfolio companies to leverage data and analytics that you couldn't otherwise do if it was still all on-premise. So these cloud analytics solutions, I think they're a game changer in the industry in allowing a private equity firm to have a bunch of smaller portfolio companies that really can, I like to say, punch above their weight class and operate as a much larger enterprise through the use of these advanced analytics solutions. And for the portfolio parent or the operating partners, limited partners, you just get better transparency and visibility 
because this data is easily accessible and presentable in a format that they can see operating dashboards and operating metrics of their investments. Dan, Paul, from a private equity parent standpoint, how much technology adoption are you typically seeing at the average midsize private equity firm? Yeah, it's interesting, Fred. It's a real challenge because you're, if you look at a lot of private equity companies, they're investing in companies, not necessarily a single industry. And so the financial, the, even the GL is all over the place. In other words, the 10 different portfolio companies that they own have different structures and different costs that feed into your net margins, gross margins, profitability. And so as a result, they've still relied a lot on a lot of Excel kind of base reporting to pull in the data from all of their investments. So the technology adoption has been hard because you are trying to manage 10 different operating companies or portfolio companies with all different industries potentially. We're working with one private equity company now that invests primarily in food and beverage companies, but even those are very different. One can be a discrete manufacturer and one could be a process manufacturer. And there's just different ways that you would um, want to manage that business, different operating metrics and stuff. So it's quite a challenge. So how do you go about solving those challenges? Well, again, you, you have to do a little bit of data modeling, Michael, but there are some common metrics that you can develop and then build financial reporting capabilities. But the, one of the first things we always find is so helpful is just to ingest all of that data from those portfolio companies. And then you can use that both for build. It, it has a dual purpose. That's one of the things that we see real value from is that when I have that data, I can, I can use it to build operating dashboards and metrics dashboards and KPI dashboards for the portfolio company C-level execs. But it also gives that kind of transparency and visibility because I can now show those uh, KPIs and metrics to my uh, the portfolio company parent my limited partners, my general partners, everybody can see the numbers and how the the investments are performing. And when you're talking with the uh, with the various investors and PE firms about these KPIs and metrics, how often do they actually know what they want versus helping you helping them define what yeah, it is? It's, it's really interesting. For I find, what I find is they they sometimes think they know what the key metrics are, but more often than not by by pulling in the, the metrics and, and data in and building some of these dashboards, they learn more about their business. And they learn more about some of the cause and effect. And they learn how to do the analysis when things are going awry. So um, it, to, to us, it's kind of this data journey they have to get on so that they're automating this and, and digitizing all of the data and then doing the analysis and, and adoption, we call it. We, I call it driving adoption. Yeah, and I mean, even if you look at just the, the public stock market, right, there's accounting is not necessarily a fact-driven story, right? There are different ways to represent that. And I imagine operational metrics that are commonly defined across many, many port codes. Yeah. It's not something you can really change, right? Yeah, I, I, like, I think of it like somebody who starts to learn how to read uh, accounting statements, and, and you get pretty good at re reading an income statement or a balance sheet. And the same true for prep private equity companies, right? After a while, you could pretty quickly translate EBITDA into cash flow in your head because you've, you've got this understanding of how these things translate. I want to go back. You, you talked about traditionally it's, you know, importing into an Excel spreadsheet. Now, now you're talking about, you know, how do you bring in all this data? What are some of the tools? I mean, ingest is one part of it, but what are some of the tools that you apply 
that enable you to get insight out of all this data? Well, you know, there's dashboards, of course, we build, but the, 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 it really starts with ingesting this data and put it in some sort of cloud data warehouse. And for us, we, we use tools like uh, Redshift and Snowflake are the, the two leading ones we use, sometimes Azure, Azure Synapse. But then it's building dashboards, Michael. And that's the business intelligence side of it, I imagine, of building those dashboards. So how, how is that process kind of, can you describe a little bit about that work? Yeah, we, you know, my, uh, the second watch, we kind of favor this agile development process where we build something, get, go live with, a, with kind of a quick solution. And then we learn and adjust and, and, and add to that over time. So the dashboard work is often, let's get all the data, put it in the cloud data warehouse, give you a handful of dashboards to manage your key metrics. And then as you use those dashboards, you kind of decide maybe you want a different way of viewing it or you want to add some more analysis or some deeper drill down capabilities. And so we'll we'll take that on in a second phase or a third phase to kind of add those capabilities over time. And usually, once we've built some basic operating dashboard, you start to take a look at um, what we would call more advanced analytic solutions, AI or data science or predictive analytics, machine learning models to predict customer churn, all, all the kind of uh, fun, really cool advanced analytics things. So, talk, and we've talked a lot about analyzing the assets that you have, but I imagine when you're when a private equity company is looking to purchase a company, they're also trying to bring in some of those outsourced data. Um, not outsourced, sorry, I'm gonna take that back. When a private equity company is looking to acquire a company, they're looking at sources of data that may not be readily available with the company. So how do you start to bring in external data sources into that model? Yeah, we tend to call it alternative data in the industry. And that's really the, a bit, the you know, these data marketplaces that exist with Snowflake, for example. It, it, uh, and, and we find almost every single one of our uh, implementation, cloud data warehouse implementation, that there's a lot of external data that they can take advantage of. And sometimes even it's as simple as weather patterns. If you're a seasonal business, there's probably a, a period where you're going to spend a lot on marketing because you're going to be acquiring new customers at the spring season when the weather changes. And so um, even basic data like that is really valuable to you. And anytime you start talking about models of any kind, the more data that you have, the better. And if we're trying to, do, not, now we know that the weather's changing and we know we want to invest in marketing, the question is which zip codes do we want to spend that on? And so understanding age of houses and typical income, uh, again, another external data source. And so with these marketplaces that come with most of the cloud data warehouse solutions, you can instantly ingest that external data and use it in building your models. Yeah, I imagine the problem is not as much uh... Is enough? To, is there enough data out there? But more trouble understanding what data do you use and what's going to be important, and how do I combine that with the data I have already? Yeah, we. I like to use the word actionable, insightful data. Right? It's easy to just go get data. The question is, what do you do about it? And and what's the what's the data that helps you make smarter, faster, better decisions? So there there is an art to that. And and there is a process you need to go through to figure that out. Yeah, and even in the, uh, I would imagine in the <clears throat> the due diligence process with there being so much manual work in Excel, um, 
even with the rise of, of cloud solutions, it's probably not really reducing the time there so much as it is um, having better access to some of that alternative data you mentioned, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah. I find I find some. I think I think private equity firms could do a better job of a upfront assessing what the upside opportunity is from data and analytics. You know, you can monetize the data, or you can just take better advantage of it and use of it in these portfolio companies that you're buying and investing in. And and there's just so much opportunity upfront to say, what could I do with this company? What how much better could we be? If you couldn't drive 10 or 20% improvement in, in operating profits and EBITDA, I, I, I think you could, that's a minimum you could achieve in first year if you just had some of these operating metrics at your fingertips. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to one VC investor um, a couple of months ago, and he mentioned that uh, one of the interesting things that they do at his firm is um, creating almost data clean rooms where they're uploading the, the acquirer and the, and the uh, um, company being acquired are essentially sharing data in the same space and using that as a way to communicate with one another. How often do you see that in this world and what is the upside there? The clean rooms are much more popular these days, Fred, and, and we see more of it where we're at least uh, taking the data in pre-close. Pre but I, I still think some of the private equity firms uh, suffer from a lack of, of deep technology adoption around analytics. So something they they can suck in all the data pre-close, but they don't even know what to do with it in terms of figuring out what the what the targets and the and the improvements that they want to achieve from it are. There there you ought to have a template, and you ought to have a checklist of things you're thinking about in terms of what the upside is. Every company in every industry has some key leverage points or leverage areas where you can improve the operating results of the business. By, by taking advantage, it could be customer retention, could be customer churn, customer acquisition. We work with a, uh, one uh, roll-up company that ac customer acquisition was key to them. And so, you know, if you're gonna invest in a, a, a bunch of portfolio companies or roll up a bunch of them, build a strong customer acquisition model and, and factor that into your valuation and, you, and the multiples you're planning on achieving. And what are, you, what are you seeing in terms of the balance of technology solutions maintained by the parent company versus the portfolio company? Because I imagine you've got quite a bit of a mix. Some portfolio companies are probably more advanced than others, and some parents are probably some more, more advanced than their portcos. Yeah. yeah, size has a lot to do with that. I mean, if you're a really small portfolio company, uh, you know, a hundred million or less, or even up to a couple hundred million, you may not have the deep talent needed to support some advanced analytics kinds of solutions, for example, and so uh, and then depends on the resources of the of the parent portfolio, a parent private equity company. Uh, how many how many of their team are really data scientists or data engineers that are needed to build these kinds of solutions? We we see at the biggest uh, private equity companies, Fred, that they have the resources and the talent to go uh, farm that out to their portfolio companies and help them build solutions. But at the mid-size, it, 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 really, uh, it really can be a challenge to get that kind of talent on board and delivering the value that you want. So if you're a mid-size private equity firm and you've got varying degrees of, I guess, data savviness within your port codes and you want to do more with analytics, you're, you want to start to measure your operational KPIs, you want to do a better job of reducing the amount of human effort involved in doing some of these financial roll-ups. 
What's the best way to get started? Where should you start? Well, we strongly advocate starting with a little bit of a data strategy so you can figure out what's the right architecture. This is a rapidly moving industry. There's new tools come out every day, every week, every month. And so it's important to pick the right ones. Ultimately, you know, you're going to buy and hold a portfolio company for five years and then sell it. And part of that valuation will be based on did you pick the right product? Did you pick the right cloud data warehouse? Is it still a strong, viable product in the marketplace? And so that strategy phase gets you started, Fred, with a good architecture, the right products, and then quickly build something. Quickly ingest some data, build a couple of dashboards, a couple of models, and start to use them and apply them. And then the other thing to quickly drive value is to have an aggressive adoption program. And what are the dangers of just building? And I guess what are the most common reasons that some of these projects don't go well? Talk to a COO of a private equity firm that we built a solution for and asked them after the fact kind of a how happy with the work that, that Aptitive did for you. And he said, loved everything we built, so valuable for the company. The only thing is I wish we, the private equity parent, had worried more about adoption. And so the rate of adoption drives the value. And the faster you can get your management team using these new analytics and making decisions in a different way, the faster you're gonna drive value. So. It is one of the biggest challenges we face. You, know, you take a really small company, you probably just barely had decent reporting. Let's take a $100 million manufacturing company. The reporting is probably not that great at that company. You probably have difficulty getting your hands on the right data to drill into problems and solve problems. And so having different set of analytics, a different set of data, and being able to use that and leverage it to more quickly resolve problems. That's just a different way of thinking and acting. And so you got to kind of make that transformation, make that change in your management team and your use and adoption of analytics. So Paul, last question for you, you know, as a private equity company starts to embark upon, you know, an acquisition and, and thinking about that data strategy, they want to bring in, what is some of that advice, that top-level advice you would give that private equity company? I think twofold, Michael. One would be there's a ton of value you can drive in your investments with better analytics and data. And two, that there are some even higher returns and better investments with some of these advanced analytics solutions. Even your smallest company can do a lot better, be more effective, more efficient, higher cash flows, higher investment returns with some of these advanced analytic solutions. And they are coming down in size and scale so that the smallest company can start to apply them. Yeah, and I think that's a key of what data insights have really brought to those smaller companies, giving them the power that they never had before beyond just an Excel spreadsheet. From a large enterprise, they had all this power and technology and capability. This really does bring the power to those smaller firms. Yeah, we had one, again, a different private equity company was rolling up smaller, you know, $20, $30 million companies, but rolling them up into a billion dollar enterprise. But they introduced customer attribution model to tell them why their customer came to them with via website, online ad, print ad, direct cold call campaign. So they could do a better job of targeting customer acquisition and getting new customers and driving up revenue. And once you're a little company and you could do that more effectively, you can also spot invest in that, 
you know, you wait until you have service technicians available to do a job and then drive some instantaneous kind of marketing. And you could not do that as a little tiny $50, $100 million company in the past. But now these tools will let us do this. And the great thing about the cloud is that you're paying only for consumption. You're not buying these giant analytic licenses. You're just paying when you run them. So you're only paying for what you use, which is awesome. And that is the power of the cloud, of that pay-as-you-go type of capability that it brings. So I want to thank the audience for tuning in to Cloud Crunch, covering cloud analytics for the private equity industry with special guest Paul Corning, private equity practice director for Second Watch. Paul, it has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Michael Elliott and Fred Bliss. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com forward slash cloud dash blog. Or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter and LinkedIn. 